Hi, hello, it's Vin. Thank you so much for listening to the Vin and Ali show. We've created something that we're really excited about and we want to share it with you. It's called Recalibrate. It's a 12-step process that helps you create more clarity and more alignment in your life. It's the exact approach that both Ali and I have been using to live happier lives and to achieve all of our wildest dreams in the last seven years. It's been crazy. Being one of our loyal listeners, we wanted to share a special something with you. Visit recalibrate.online forward slash Vin and Ali to access the course for 70% off. I hope you will check it out. Anyway, let's dive into this episode. I think The Alchemist is an incredible story of a journey of a boy who went on to discover that everyone has a goal, everyone has a purpose, or as the book calls it, a personal legend. Everyone has to pursue that. And it's kind of his journey through his life and the challenges and the obstacles that come about while he's in pursuit mm. of this personal legend, this goal of his, which came to him in a dream. Mm. And, and it's, it's just, that's kind of, I think that's the overall structure. And he meets different characters along the way that teaches him different lessons, good characters, bad characters. But the overall book is really about this one boy pursuing his dream. Yeah. Would you agree? Do you think there's anything there that is missing from that kind of overarching summary? No, I think you you nailed it. Like that's that hits it on the head, right? If you look at the the hero's journey and the arc, that, that's what really stands out for me in this one. And I think that that whole concept of him, yeah, wanting to adventure, to to find his treasure, to yeah. to go on that quest, uh, you've nailed it with that summary for sure. Well, I'll start then. The first thing that really stood out to me was when Santiago, the, the main character, he's looking after his sheep. And the mm. reason he wanted to look after sheep and become a shepherd was because he wanted to travel. He loved mm. the idea of traveling and being kind of a nomad and being free. And then he had the realization that his sheep weren't helping him become a better person, that his sheep were so easily satisfied by, if you just give them food and water every day, they're happy. Yeah. They're, they're in a state of contentment and he was kind of afraid of becoming a sheep. Yeah. Did you have any thoughts on that? On the, on the sheep? I think so. I think there's, there's two components with the sheep that stands out because <clears throat> the sheep represent security and certainty. But remember like even in the beginning how his dad wanted him to be a priest, mm. right? So the sheep also... It's got that paradox where the sheep are kind of like, that, that was his version of escaping and breaking his mould. Yeah. Versus it's also then became kind of his regular day-to-day and his obligation, right? He had to look after the sheep, feed them, make sure that they're protected. He couldn't lose of that, this value. And, but in a way, the sheep was the... He, 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 he freed himself of that default path his dad created for him. And, and the yeah. sheep at one point was actually like a dream. Yeah, it was the dream. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I never thought about like how you saw it, that the sheep actually symbolizes him, him actually becoming a sheep as well, which is equally true. Because well, he- I skipped the step. I skipped the step. I, I, I glossed over the fact that, yeah, his dad did have a predetermined path for him. Yeah. But that's crazy. That, that means at one point the sheep was a dream, but then it no longer mm. became, it no longer was a dream. I think that speaks to one of the core lessons in this book is that, your personal legend continues to, it continues to evolve. It's never the same thing. And the book has this consistent encouragement of you should continue to pursue 
your personal legend and reach it because then it evolves and, and, and then it will take you on a different journey. So that's kind yeah. of, you know, you don't realize that reading the book at the start, but in talking about it now, it makes sense. Is that, yeah, that's, that's interesting. And that bit really, when I was reading that bit, rereading it for this, it reminded me of you when you share the story of accounting mm. to, to magic, to yeah. then speaking, to, you know, like, like that whole journey of like, did magic become the sheep? You know, does it yeah. symbolize that because you broke out of the, the traditional set? Well, metaphorically, what this means is that no matter what goal you're pursuing, that goal will eventually become the sheep. <laughs> it eventually will be because, because again, anything that you spend too long doing, and I think for me, the big thing mm. that I've realized is that the moment I try to monetize something and the moment I try to commercialize something with such intensity, I yeah. speed up the speed at which it becomes sheep. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like that's, yeah, 100%. that's for me. I, I've learned that. That's why, you know, when we're doing this and I want to do this more seriously moving forward, I don't really want to intensely try to focus on how to monetize it. <laughs> I think, I think like, it, now the ad yeah. for the alchemist comes in. It's like, <laughs> yeah, now we're going to Paolo Coelho. Here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, God. Oh. Stay at. <laughs> but that's, but that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's, see, that's an interesting insight, right? Yeah. Is that, I love that line, is that everything eventually becomes sheep. If, and then it's kind of, if you, it's kind of like another alternate word for shit, but I think it always gradually becomes that way if you don't keep evolving, if you don't allow your personal legend to grow and to develop and to evolve. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I think you've hit that on the head. You, you speak to everyone that ends up pursuing their, even if you are lucky enough to pursue your passion, yeah. It's crazy once it becomes a job, yeah. how, how quickly that, that doesn't have that purity or the, the creative expression that it does at the start when you're kind of learning it and call it commercialized. Or I think as soon as it's got some obligation, right? Like yeah. as soon as he's got a flock of sheep, the yeah. Ari's livelihood that he's going to look after, it changes the flavor of what the sheep represent. But then... Yeah. You know, it's like, like yin and yang of, but, mm. and, uh, and I think there's another layer here. I think another layer here is that when you have escaped a job that you don't like into a job that you love, mm. and then you discover that you no longer really love it because of whatever reason, because maybe you try to commercialize it too much, maybe because you're doing too much of it and it's become monotonous after a certain time then there's also a component where because you are already doing what you love and if other people are perceiving that you're doing what you love, you're afraid to complain mm. because you feel like a bit of a jerk. Mm. And I, I definitely can feel that. It's like I know so many people who want to become a keynote speaker and speaking. And then anytime I want to say that, you know, I, I've maybe, I don't want to do it anymore. I feel like I no longer feel drawn to it. I no longer feel like I love it it's really hard to say that out loud because I know so many people want it. Yeah. So I think you've got to be really careful about just those external factors. And I don't know if this is the right time to bring it in, but there's, there's that quote where in the book it says, everyone seems to have a clear idea of how other people should lead their lives, but none about his or her own. <laughs> but that's so true. We do it. I do it. I, I try to give advice all the time. Mm. And I think the more we try to give other people advice, 
the less time we're spending on trying to gain clarity. Uh, it's hard to describe. I think when we're trying to give other people advice, it means that we're putting value on the external as opposed to the internal. We're trying to change the outside world around us to have an internal change within us, mm. right? And I think the sooner we realize, and this is, there's another quote from the book that says this, the sooner we realize that we have no control of the external, the only control we have is the internal. And as you change the internal, it has an impact on the external. Yep. So again, I just think the whole idea of not liking where you are. It's like if a lawyer is in their job that doesn't like their job, they're afraid to say it to the people around them because they're afraid of what other people might think who look up to being a lawyer. I think you just have to learn to be more truthful to yourself. And Yeah, I think, <clears throat> I think you hit the, the nail on the head with the internal versus the external component there. Because <clears throat> if you're giving somebody advice, yeah. but they're only looking at the external, but the internal is not ready, it can't work. They're, they're mutually exclusive, right? Like if you're sitting there and you're speaking to a potential speaker who's only done one keynote but wants to become you, you can give them all the advice in the world, but it, yeah. it's not ready yet. Internally, they, they haven't built all the muscles or the, they call it the capital or, or the effort, right? And, and the book hits on this so well. Mm. You know, like, like when you look at the, the Englishman that's on his journey, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like he's read it all, he's studied it all, but... Uh, no, but give he, context for the Englishman. You're going to give context for the Englishman, right? right so <laughs> the Englishman is, yeah. This is where you come in with the context. I'm going straight yeah. to the point. <laughs> Damn it, Ali, give us some context here. So, so the Englishman's obviously on, on, the, on the journey and maybe we've skipped a, a little bit ahead throughout the book here. But as, Well, I, th- as, I, think a, I think a great way to be able to do this is, A, you can talk about different characters. Mm. B, we can talk about different quotes. See, yeah. we can talk about different stories. And I think for now, let's just give ourselves the freedom of whatever. You skip around. So, <laughs> yeah. so I'll provide context of the Englishman. So as the yeah. boy goes on search for his treasure and his personal legend, he, he comes across the Englishman, which he shares the ride through the desert with. And mm. the Englishman's actually on the search to find alchemy, which is turning essentially lead or whatever it is into into gold because he's studied about it, he's learnt about it, he's read all these books, he's he, he knows every single thing about it. And I think the the search tells him that you have to go to Egypt, you have to go to the desert, find the alchemist and he'll show you the secrets. And then when he does get to eventually does get to the alchemist, the, the alchemist pretty much simply tells him, All right, go try it. And and that's it. That, that's the end of the <laughs> that, that's the end of the lesson. So he's like, all right. So we finally, after years and years of prepping for this moment, thinking that it's going to be handed on a plate. This is the way I read it, anyway. He's essentially and he was just pissed. Told, well, well, was you pissed. need to go and try it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And he's like, damn. <laughs> all right. But but he starts, and and that's nearly his level of of that journey. But I think it goes back to that component, like. The internal isn't there. The, the repetitions aren't there. The actions haven't been taken, and it relates. And I think to what life. that I think what that what that speaks to is it speaks to the fact that action is is more heavily weighted than just theory. Yeah, it's like an ounce of action is worth more than an ounce of theory. Mm. And I think through that 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 Englishman's journey. I mean, one of the core concepts that Santiago, the main character, talks about every time he talks about the Englishman is that he's always reading. He's always reading his books. He's always buried his head in his books. And one of the vivid scenes I remember from reading it and listening to it is that 
you know, no matter what was going around, going on around in the desert, the beauties of the desert, the Englishman was just buried in the book and it seemed as if the world around him didn't exist. Yeah. So I think that was the, that was such a great metaphor for how much he valued theory. Yeah. And, and do you remember the, the, the flip side of that is Santiago. He's got the book, but he can never get started, but he's like listening to the world yeah. and trying to take it all in. But it's an yeah. interesting, again, yeah, paradox true. on it. On the other side of yeah. how they're both kind of on the same journey. One's doing it through the collection of knowledge and then the other mm. one's kind of just like, oh, I'm just going to go with the flow, take it all in, try a few things. It's like action versus knowledge and maybe the, the molding of it. I don't know. But it's, but it's the thing where too much of anything is bad, right? It's like the, every time we chat about anything, it, we always come back to one thing and we always say it's the middle. It's the middle. It's a paradox. It's the middle. It's, it's always the, the middle. It's, it's never black is it and actually white. It's a theory. And it's, it's yeah. kind of, well, why can't it be both? Yeah. And I think it's just really about ensuring that it's like a, it's like a seesaw, right? It's just mm-hmm. don't let it all be action, mindless action. You've got to make sure there's theory to balance it out. Yeah. And it's just life is this consistent balance of having enough theory so that the actions we take are educated actions, not just kind of mindless without any kind of strategy whatsoever, right? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's, that's a really interesting concept. I, didn't, I, didn't th- I forgot that Santiago represented the opposite of that in the desert. He just couldn't really, even right? start reading. Yeah. yeah. So, so maybe let's go back, right? So we, we, yeah. we spoke about the, the sheep. I think there's something really interesting that happens when, when he goes to the baker because he's on the search to go revisit uh, yeah. uh, yep. the baker's daughter, right? And he's got his sheep in tow. And then he goes to like the mystic, the woman, that tells him about the dream that he has. And, oh, yeah. and then he meets the old man. Like what does that represent to you? Well, in the book, they talk about this whole thing of omens. Mm. And omens are signs in life that present themselves to us. And if we follow those signs, those signs will lead us towards our purpose and our personal legend. And to me, those people, to me, recommend, they, 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 they represent omens. Mm, yeah. There are omens along the way. It's like the dream was an omen. And, uh, well, what do you think omens are? I mean, I, I had that question here. Yeah. Like what, what, what is an omen to you? To me, it's a sign uh, and a signal. Right. That, and it's that's intuitive be... nearly and not explicit. And it's different for everyone, right? Yeah, for sure. It's going to be unique to the individual because you, you can essentially find a sign in anything, right? If you look yeah. hard enough. So it doesn't give it to you on a plate. It doesn't take the action for you, but it nearly points you in the, in the spot. It's like that gut feel or subconscious feeling that draws you towards something. Yeah. Okay. So it's like, like you said, it's, it's, but see, to, to me, I see omens as people that come into my life. Mm. Right. I, I yeah. see it as, I, I see it as, you know, it's, you know how some people say, Oh yeah. The God above or whatever, give me a sign. Yeah. And then, and then something happens. Yeah. But, but to me, I see omens in terms of people mm. in terms of the people that walk into my life that, actually get my attention and then I feel connected to them. You know, there's lots of people that come and go through my life that I don't feel connected with. And then to me, that's yeah. not an omen, but yeah. to me, it's like, for example, you, one of the yeah. people get into my life. I see it as, Oh, that's a, that's like a sign yeah. that this connection, that's the baker that I will meet. That's the yeah. fortune teller that I will right. meet that will lead me towards something greater. Mm-hmm. That will, that will get me closer to my personal legend. 
That's why I asked you because for me, yeah. it's it's kind of people are the omens yeah. in my life. Yes, it's, it's, to me, it's both. It's people, but it mm. can also be events. It can be feelings. It can be the coronavirus. Yeah, wide variety of that's a global uh, of events that take yeah. place. Because I think you're right. I think the the people are usually the the biggest ones. If I look at the biggest omens. If yeah. I was going to define it like that, I'd have to say it's people, right? But then, yeah. but then it can also be like, you know, there, there can be an omen in like missing a flight and then something happening yeah, and changing okay. the path or coronavirus happening and changing the path or a book falling on your foot, you know, and changing your reading. Well, whatever that is, that can also yeah. be then. It's, to me, it's like those, those mysterious things that kind of happen that you can't logically really explain but have right. some sort of real impact on what takes place because I'm part magician to me, I also am very wary of superstition. <laughs> That's hilarious. And because, because I'm Asian too, man, in the Asian culture is bloody filled with superstitions. <laughs> and I've seen omens or superstitions, maybe the negative version of that. I've seen superstition ruin lives. Yeah. Mm. I've seen it cause people to financially put themselves into completely <laughs> screwed up situations because I now have to buy this stone that costs $15,000, put it in front of my house. And that's going to bring me wealth. You just lost wealth because you bought that stone. Right. So to me, there's, there's, that's why when I, I, I I see people as omens, but but to me, I'm afraid, I think to see the more granular things that can happen in life as omens, because my life growing up to me, those were superstitions. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like difference between gimmick and those that are like internally driven. You know, like, because I agree, yeah, right? Like, if, if I go to a fortune teller, I'm probably yeah. not going to look at that as an omen. I'm like, you're trying to get cash off me because this is your job. And maybe well, there is something well, cynical there. will see it. Yeah. <laughs> like, because I'm so logical. To me, it's nearly yeah. the flip side because I'm like the opposite of superstitious. That I, I like that there is some of that magic nearly, you know, it's, it's nearly the, the opposite side of how you, you are with it. Whereas you're like, I've seen so much of it going that other way with me right. being that logical side. I'm like, I'm so much at this camp. I need, I need to. You need some superstition in your life. <laughs> yeah, need some superstition in my life. Otherwise, it's going to be way too black and white. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> well yeah, well, I, th- I think there's a, there's, a, there's a thing, there's something deeply embedded there in that it can, if, you know, what's the difference between an omen and a superstition potentially, right? And this is kind of mm-hmm. our naive version of this and, yeah. But, but I feel that it's an omen when you give a sign, a signal, a person, a random event, a coincidence, when you give it meaning. When, yeah. you, when you internally give it meaning without too much external influence, then true, that can be an omen for you. Yeah. But when you're allowing cultural lessons yeah. that tie itself to an action, you know, like, oh, make sure, you know, like feng shui, right? Some people who yeah. believe in feng shui, like, again, I'm not, I don't know everything. It might be real. But to me, I kind of look at it and go, oh, I don't know. Having yeah. where your door's positioned, I don't know. Because that is, a, that, the, these are meanings that a culture has assigned to it. Yeah. Whereas I think an omen in its most purest form is something happens. And because of that something happening, because of the way it happened and the way the coincident, coincidental moment happened, it just formulated an internal meaning. Yeah. You know, yeah, so. You bang on. Because internal versus external. Yeah. yeah, it becomes, I think superstitions become 
dangerous and even you know like some sort of cultural religious beliefs become dangerous when they're then used as the blame post yeah you know for for things not taking place it's like oh i didn't tie my shoes up that exact way that's why i lost the game or my door wasn't in the right spot that's why my family got sick you know i think that's where it can nearly be negative you know or i only got this job because i I rolled the dice the same way three times you know like that's that's where it's kind of like all right maybe maybe there's yeah well well, i think credit or too much blame to to the event then it can become pretty dangerous right because then you're going to give all your money over and you might get stitched up some way and then you become jaded at that person or the world or whatever it is i think that's where it can become really dangerous yeah um, yeah me too but i mean back to what you originally said right so to me the baker or the fortune teller they represented people that were omens in a sense that they were the people that were going to help give him the right directions they were kind of like the beacons. They were like, if you come to me, it's like when you play a game, if you go to this person with an exclamation mark on top of their head, they're going to give you the directions to complete the quest. Yeah. So to me, that's, that's how I saw them. And, and I mean, the fortune teller character was super interesting. You know, it's like she represents that person that usually feeds you nonsense. Yeah. She, you know, he went to her going, hey, I've got this dream that I've had that I was going to find my treasure in the pyramids because that's the dream that came to Santiago, the main character. And I've got this dream that my treasure's in the pyramids, but I, I, you know, I don't know, you know, I don't know how to get there. I don't know what it means. And then she kind of helped him realize that the only thing she said to him, I, I, I thought this is, if I'm remembering correctly, is she said, you just have to go. <laughs> <laughs> and, did you remember in it as well where she's like, I want 10%? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Great, great <laughs> entrepreneur. She's a great entrepreneur. <laughs> Amazing. But, but the old man did the same thing. He's like, yeah. I, I think one was front-ended. One was oh. like, I want 10% off the treasure when you get it. Yeah, the and king, the other one was, I want 10% of your sheep. Yeah, the, the, the king said, because he met the fortune teller, then he met the king. Yeah. So the fortune teller said, I want 10% of the treasure that you find. Yeah. And the king said, I want 10% of the treasure that you currently have. That's right. So, so it teaches you two lessons that. there. Well, there is. I think it teaches you two lessons, right? It teaches you the lesson of... It's kind of like angel investors versus banks. <laughs> like an angel investor will say, look, I'll give you money now, but I want a percentage of what you have later. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'll give you something now. She gave the advice now for 10% of the rewards later. That's kind of like a VC, right? A venture capitalist. Whereas a bank is, I want to deposit now before I'll give you a loan. Yeah, bang on. So, so to me, it's learning that quick lesson of, there, there'll be people who believe in your vision and your goal. And then there are people who will only look at who you are and what you are right now. Mm-hmm. So it's, there's, there's two kinds of people. There's people who trust in your ability and then there's people who trust in your vision. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. 100%. And yeah. The, the other, to add to that element as well, is how interesting is it with his mindset, like he's gone and found these two people that trust in the ability and in the vision. Yeah. But his level of skepticism, right? Like if you look at how that whole exchange happens, it's like, yeah, yeah just go, go find the treasure. It's like really simple advice or yeah. it's this, but, but he's already agreed to pay so significantly for that. And on one hand, it's like, well, that was so crap and I've just been stitched up again. 
But on the other hand, it also drives him closer towards moving forward. And I think it's, to me, that really stood out because so many people that I know, myself included, when we sit there and we weigh up some sort of educational type of experience or whatever it is, it's like, Mm. oh, no, I don't know if I want to take the risk to go and learn that because I don't know whether I'm going to get a return on it. Whereas on the flip side, it's like I've never gone and done anything like educational that I've gone and regretted and haven't found at least something because, it's again, it's internally driven. You can turn any conversation into an educational experience. And I think there was something really interesting in that in that component of it. Like, even if you go through the book, he's like, oh, yeah, this old man's crazy. You know, he has no idea what he's talking about. This old woman yeah. that's told me this is nuts, you know, like she's just taken 10% of my treasure and barely given me anything to go with. But yeah. still kind of nudges him forward. And well, well, I think that there's one thing that nudges. Well, I remember him kind of fighting in his own head about this. And one, I won't remember the quote exactly, but it's like he's, someone taught him, and I don't remember who, this is, this is how good of a review we're doing. But it's, someone said to him, if you stop listening to your heart, your heart's going to stop talking to you. Yeah, that's powerful. And I think, I think he kept falling back to that. And I think it was the king that said that. Yeah. And, and, and maybe it wasn't the heart, but the king said, if you stop listening to the omens, one day the omens will stop revealing themselves to you. Yeah. And then that's when you truly suffer and you live that life of monotony and kind of like, oh, crap, life is, life yeah. is crap. And I think that was the baker, wasn't it? There's, the baker. It, it happens in a couple of bits, but I know that there's a passage yeah. later on in it where it's either the alchemist or the baker or the king, one of the characters. Yeah, it was one of the characters. If you don't go find your treasure in one yeah. year's time, you'll be here. You know, you'll be happy with your sheep. You'll be fine. It'll be all right. In yeah. two years' time, um, it'll get a little bit quieter again and you'll get into the yeah. zone. In three years' time, you'll probably start regretting and resenting uh, what happens. I'm probably butchering that, but it goes through that concept of essentially you mm. know, reflecting the complacency and comfort nearly that, that we all sort of get into where we might have a dream or we might have an ambition that we want to explore, but sometimes it's just easier just to, to do what you're doing and to, to enjoy the fruits of your labour and to, to go down. That's, that's what I've got, I got out of that passage. I'm not sure if it was the same for you. Yeah, well, that's why, that's why I think it was the baker. That's why the baker was living this very monotonous life yeah. and seemed to be a person who no longer had, was pursuing a personal legend, yeah. no longer was pursuing their purpose. And he had that moment. I remember this when he was thinking to himself, should I go and try to you know, reawaken that person's desire should I, and then he decided in the end not to. Not going to. And I think, and I, I said this on a Facebook Live the other day, that that's how I felt too, is that, you know, I meet so many people in a year. Before the coronavirus happened, you know, I, I'd speak at 80 conferences a year. You know, you meet thousands of people every year. And it's so easy to see those people who are no longer pursuing their personal legend. It's so easy to be able to, and you feel it when you talk to them. Yeah. People who are pursuing something, even if they don't know what it is, that they're still trying to discover it, there's a certain energy that comes from them. And then there's a certain type of person that you meet as well where, where you don't feel any of that. And to me, that is someone that kind of represents that baker archetype who yeah. they've, they've settled. And, and that, you know, I'm no longer pursuing it. And I've, I've, I don't see omens anymore. I don't see opportunity anymore. I don't see signs for me to follow anymore. I'm, 
And that's what I think, that's what I think people find themselves in a rut. Because yeah. the whole idea of this book is if you don't have a personal legend, you're not living, right? It's kind of, <laughs> it's good. Yeah, the importance of the personal legend is really interesting. Yeah. Well, that's a really interesting concept because you see so many people in that space and, you know, like your core thing that you do is educate and inspire people and, you know, essentially get them to take action. Do you think everyone does have a personal legend or are some people just meant to never pursue it? Like, what's your feelings on that? Because to me, it speaks so strongly, this book, that like, shit, if you're not doing it, are you living? I'm, I'm kind of more in that camp, similar with you. It's like this whole, I, I like, I really resonate with the book and I think a lot of entrepreneurs and, you know, yeah. athletes and people like Oprah and Will Smith probably resonate with this book because it's about pursuing something that's unrealistic for a yeah. lot of people. But I wonder, does that then resonate to everyone? And But again, I think that comes back to this, I think, I think it just comes back to, again, is, is that desire to almost talk about other people's journey. It's like, let me find this quote. I want to find it. And the way I'm doing this is like, while I, while I was listening to it and reading, I just kind of wrote down everything that stood out to me. Yeah. So I've got to also think about, and we spoke about this earlier, is I want to create a mind map for this. Yeah. So that, again, it's easier for me to find information because right now it's just a list of quotes. Yeah. Whereas I know if I had a mind map, I would be able to find this so much faster. So there is a quote that I want to bring up though. Um, yeah, I'm just looking at mine here as well. There's so many in this book. It's incredible. Like, there's just lessons and gold nuggets. Pretty much every few sentences you could highlight. It's crazy. Book. <laughs> That's why it's taken me so long to even look through this. It's insane how many there are. But again, it was, it was along the lines of, yeah, anyone who, there you go. Anyone who interferes with the destiny of another will never discover his own. Mm. So anyone who interferes with the destiny of another will never discover his own. Mm. And and to me is that, again, we, we tend to, I, I think by nature, we're all very judgmental. It's why everyone has an opinion. It's like when, when you wanted to leave your kind of secure job with Monash University and pursue this, this hobby of a golf business, I'm sure lots of people had opinions about that. Yeah. And I think everyone does have a personal legend is that we just spend too much of our time interfering with other people's personal legends, True. which causes us gradually to no longer look for the omens in our lives or the signals to be able to further the progress of us achieving our own personal legends, which then results in people seeming like they don't have a personal legend. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and I think that's where the danger lies. The danger lies in being too obsessed with how other people are living, not obsessed enough about your own personal mm -hmm. legend and therefore creating the illusion at times that you don't have one. Yeah. And, and, and that's the people I see with you know, no, no energy there. It's, it's maybe they're spending too much of their own time telling other people what not to do. <laughs> and the, the image that came to mind then was like a volcano. You know, mm. it's, like, it's like lying there dormant. But 
can't erupt because it's mm. been suppressed, you know, either by doubt, fear, other people, self-belief, whatever it is. And I think that's oh. maybe maybe the, the other component. It's like it nearly needs to be unleashed, right? Like, because even if you look at this story, the whole, the whole concept is that even when you go and then pursue it, at every single point of pursuing it, there's going to be some roadblock that's going to happen. I think that's the other thing that really resonated, which is... Yeah. Seems like essentially a universal law that as soon as you try to do something new or change it, it's either going to be something telling you you can't do it, yeah. failing, Zoom yeah. not working, well, well whatever it is, yeah. you know, there's going to be something there. But that real underlying lesson of if you truly are pursuing it, and maybe everyone is in their own way, is that yeah. they'll they'll have that different threshold of being able to then overcome the the hurdles to then also yeah continue to. Well, Everyone is pursuing their personal legend at a different rate of progression. Yeah. And for some people, it's so such a slow rate of progression, it almost seems like it's stagnant. Mm. And then for some people, it's actually going in, it's going backwards. Mm. They're, moving, they're moving further and further away from the personal legend. And I, I think in talking about it you know, for the last 10 minutes, I, I, I am more on the side of that everyone does have a personal legend. Yeah, exactly. not, not, again, not necessarily saying it to be inspirational or anything, but more so just that believing that is what gives me meaning in this life. Yeah. Believing in that is what's going to make me an effective teacher and, and a, an effective person in society. If I adopt the belief that, yeah, there are some people who don't have a destiny, you know, and, and which, which is a direct quote to this and that the quote here says, to realize your own destiny is a person's only obligation. That is a freaking huge statement for the book to make <laughs> because it's saying, it's saying that for, for you to achieve your dreams is your only obligation in this life. Yeah. And, and, and I think some people who might be hearing this, you know, is, is that they're thinking, well, no, I've got obligations like my kids, my wife my community, my country. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, 100% agree. And that's been like, so... Like, do you agree that, that, that the only obligation each of us have has is our own dreams and destiny? Yeah. I, I, like, that component, for me, even since I was a kid, has just really stood out, is that okay. I think for us to be the best versions of ourselves for other people, I fundamentally believe we have to be the best versions of ourselves for ourselves, yeah. you know, and, and I think that, but there are so many risks and like the price to pay to then find that is huge. And, and you can nearly lose everything on that journey as well to then pursue that, if that makes sense. So if I look at, you know, my, my journey, like for me to pursue, call it my sort of personal legend, I've had to probably negatively impact a lot of people along the way for that to happen. But then it's always been in the con, like on the flip side is that hopefully in that pursuit at some point it will balance or it does balance along the way for those that are aligned with it that then also benefit from it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. But I think, I think in viewing that we had to negatively impact people puts a negative spin on it, right? And, and, yeah, and it may truly actually have been negative, but I, I want to explore that because I think that's really yeah. interesting, right? Because as long as you think it's negative, you're going to resist doing it, especially if you're trying to, be a good, trying to be a good person, right? Yeah, yeah. But I feel like 
again, if I take the example for me in my life, I've had to, I've had removed friends from my life mm. for me to be on the journey that I'm on. And to me, the removal of friendships and the ending of friendships, I now look back at it in hindsight, is that we saved each other yeah. from stopping one another from achieving our own personal legends. Yeah. That the cool. ending of that friendship was a positive for all of us. Mm. And it was a net positive reaction for the entire environment. Yeah. So in a sense, the action itself may have been perceived as being bad, but the outcome of it to me is a net positive. Yeah, that's, that's sure. a really good point. It's a good call. Yeah, I think yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that's there, there's so much truth in that. Because because this is the other side as well. Is yeah. Maybe there is no negative to pursuing your personal legend because say if you go by the book, right? And if that's your only obligation, yeah. do we maybe put too much weight on positive and negative? Like it's more about just- What is, it just is. Yeah. yeah, it just is what it is, right? Like, because what is negative or positive? It's so subjective. It's so yeah. subjective because- one person will view something as positive and someone will view it as a negative. It's yeah. like, it's like tasting food, man. Yeah. It's like yeah. someone likes durians and people, some people think it smells like dirty socks. I love yeah, it. So good. It's so good. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you're right. Because yeah. that's the thing as well. I think this happens in relationships a lot where, you, you know, in, in marriages and in couples where you've got to compromise for, for it to work. And, yeah. but I think in, in some relationships, there's nearly an over-compromisation where the individuals lose themselves and that also has a negative yeah. impact. You know, like say, it's going to be like, oh, to save my marriage, I had to completely change who I was to do these things and I couldn't be myself, which satisfied some things in the short term, but it might not fix everything in the long term. Whereas somebody else will go the other way and be like, all right, for, for me to be the best person I could in my marriage, I had to just completely go nuts and, you know, I had to travel to Mexico for 19 months and then I came back and, you know, it might be, uh, and again, going back to the whole concept of going back to the middle, but, but at what, like say the, the personal legend component, and this is the real interesting component uh, thing, thing in my head, is, is like how far do you go in your pursuit of the personal legend? The book has a great example. Yeah. The book, Santiago meets Fatima, right? Yeah. who is this love of his life that he met in the middle of the desert as he was on his journey to try to find his personal legend of the treasures in the pyramids. And on his journey, they, they stopped at an oasis and he met this beautiful girl named Fatima. Mm. And he just fell madly in love with her. He was at this oasis for months because there was a war going on between tribes and they had to stay in this oasis because the oasis was this neutral zone. And he would wait every day at this kind of river or lake or whatever it was in the, in the desert every day for her to just speak to her for 15 minutes. And he just fell madly in love with her. And the interaction was very simple in that he thought, you know what? I think I've already discovered the biggest treasure of my life, which is love. Yeah. And it talks through, Oh, love is everything. Maybe I should sacrifice my personal legend and give it up. And, and, and he actually proposed to Fatima saying that I'll give this up and I'll stay here and I'll love you and I'll be with you. And then she said the most beautiful thing to him. And again, this is terrible paraphrasing. <laughs> but, but she says something like, 
True love never keeps someone from their personal legend. Yeah. If it keeps you from your personal legend, it's not true love. And, and she painted this picture for him. She says, sure, we can get married. You can give up your personal legend and you're a capable person. You'll be in this oasis. You'll become one of the leaders here. And one day you'll sit here and you'll regret. You'll regret not of having pursued that personal legend of yours. Yeah, and funny. I just went, holy crap. Is this realistic? Like what? What person would say that? And then so I reflected on my own, you know, my own wife, Pei Wen. I yeah. went, wow, Pei Wen allowed me to pursue my personal legend. And even in me saying that, I use the word allow, right? Yeah. Really, we shouldn't be using that because it's, it's our own right. Yeah. And I reflected on Chantel. I reflected on your wife as well. I'm like, well, you're pursuing your personal legend. But I know so many people who their partners disagree with them pursuing their personal legend. Mm. And the primary reason for that generally is because of financial stability. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, this is such a fairy tale and I, I do feel like we're both living a little bit of a fairy tale in that sense, because we have partners who really encourage us to pursue our dreams, but I don't think this is the reality for a lot of people. Yeah. Well, but that's, yeah, a, that's, that's such really a harsh statement. It's such a harsh statement. It's such a harsh <laughs> statement in, in, in saying that if someone doesn't allow you to pursue your dreams, it's not true love. Yeah, like that is harsh, man. That is harsh, right? But, but did you genuinely ask for permission? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. No, I didn't. Yeah. Like, like because that's I think there's a difference between kind of being allowed <laughs> and then support, right? Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of I jumped off the cliff and it was like, help me. Hey, hey we're jumping. Yeah, it's like. Hey, we're jumping. And help me. Oh my God, did, did you bring rope? And, and, and thank goodness you brought rope. But, but you're right. That's a good point. But like, because I know for a fact, if I was going to Chantel just with the proposal of, here's what I'm thinking. As it is, all the details. Are you on board? <laughs> <laughs> but look, I mean, Right. But I just got a terrible feeling while we were laughing. Right. And the terrible <laughs> feeling I got was in us pursuing our personal legend. Yeah. Have we denied our partners in pursuing theirs? Right. Because the, the resources that it takes to be able to pursue a personal legend is really overwhelming. Mm. Yeah. Which yeah, brings us yeah. back to the question, which brings us back to the question, Right. Does everyone have a personal legend? And have we, have we been greedy in pursuing our own personal legend to the point where we've used up so much of the resources that our partners have not been able to pursue their personal legend? I'd love to hear your perspective of this and then I can share mine as well. Yeah, like, it's, it's a huge question. It goes back to what I was saying before, right? Like, in that pursuit, what are the costs that that then happened but then on the on the flip side though as well like there's two sides of the personal legend as well in my head one is there's the personal legend of just being the best version of who you are you know and and then there's there's the other version which is in the pursuit of the quest right so i think we're talking nearly about two different things because yeah if i'm looking at it from say chantelle's perspective 
maybe maybe the there's been sacrifices in pursuing the quest, but just seeing her as an individual, I'd say that pursuing the personal legend of who she had to be and who she had to become, I would say that's ticked off. You know, like the, and then it goes back to alignment and values and all those things. But like I would say that it's there. It doesn't feel like there's a conflict, you know, or or resentment or regret, you know, and maybe I have to get her on uh, on the show to ask him. <laughs> it's really hard I to, regret everything. Yeah, I regret like everything. We're just like, yeah, Pei Wen loves it. It's been the best thing that's ever happened because she's not in the room right now. It might be a complete <laughs> yeah, yeah. concept. Um, yeah. Well, but, well before, before you move on from that, I think the, the journey of becoming the best we can be, I think is a part of the journey of, like it's the requirement that is involved in you achieving your personal legend, in you achieving your purpose. It's like, it's, it's not, I don't think it's two separate things. I think it's, it's a part of the journey. The people you meet, the choices you make, make you a better person, hopefully, so that you become the right person to be able to see the right signals, to be able to move towards the right direction, to get the right progress. So I think all of that is, is a part of it. Yeah. I, I, what I'm speaking to is, we are pursuing our personal legends with such intensity. And in talking about this, it's making me worry, trying to you know, have some self-awareness here for the both of us, is that what about the personal legend of those we care about? Mm. And then, then let's see, but this comes back again, right? The book is saying, and not that the book is all right, but the, what the book is saying, and it's why we're discussing it, is that in you pursuing your personal legend, in you becoming better, as human beings, we are connected to everything in our environment. You are connected, believe it or not, to your car. You're, believe, you're connected to your dog. And as you become better, your car operates better because you're looking, looking after it better. Your dog becomes better because you groom them more. You look after them. You feed them better food. As you become better, we make our partners better. And as they become better, they make us better. So if pursuing our personal legend makes us better, then surely there's no negative, right? I mean... But what I'm talking about, sorry, here is the resource split. Yeah. So much of the resources that we took and we have as a couple has gone to me pursuing mm. what I'm doing. Mm. I don't know. There's some guilt here. I don't know. Yeah, well, the way that I would sort of complete that bit is that, again, I don't think, and we love our, we love our wives, we love our partners, but if you go back to the book as well, Mm. we could provide like potentially an environment or a support mechanism or be there for our loved ones. But I don't think any individual can impact someone's personal legend. Okay. Right. So if you go back to the book, like yeah. say if Peyton and Chantel have a personal legend that they need to fulfill. Yeah. It's kind of up to them to also fulfill that. Right. Like, and, and, and we're not that powerful that we can stop them from pursuing their personal legends. Can, we could solve it. We may have, we might be that mm. block or we might be the supporter, you know, like we yeah. could be that, we could potentially yeah. be that voice that maybe pushes them back a little bit or pushes yeah, them back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, ultimately, if there's a legend there to be pursued, that individual has to be responsible for pursuing it. That's the number one thing that I That's get powerful. From, from the book, right, is that, yeah, like you, you go to the glassmaker, you know, he spends a year with the crystal merchant. Yeah, well, well, just to give context, before he was about to embark on his massive journey through the desert, 
he had a thief that stole yeah. all of his money. And <laughs> then he had to go work at this crystal merchant shop to make money to go on the journey through the desert. Go yeah. on. <laughs> and, and yeah, so he spends, he spends like a year there to, to pretty much recoup and regroup because his whole ambition is, all right, well, I'll just earn enough money. I'll make it back home. I'll go buy back my sheep. And that was the life that was meant for me. But uh, the thing that stands out there is like the crystal merchant speaking about, well, I think he had the dream of going on a pilgrimage. Mm. And he, he was kind of happy in being in the safe zone of the environment that he had created. He, did, he didn't actually want to fulfill his dream. Yeah. You know? and, and I think that's a really interesting concept as well because I think that there's no one size fits all here. Like you can yeah. be, you can be, not, not like, you can be content is the word that I'm probably looking for. Mm. You know, like, like every, in the book, one of the, the real key components there is that there is no defined level of personal legend. Like for some people, their personal legend might be playing with their kids for one hour every single day, you know? Yeah. But for other people, their legend will be traveling across 14 different continents to, to collect that treasure. And I think yeah. that's the bit that really stands out in the book as well is that ultimately, depending on what stage in life you're in, you need to yeah. figure out who you are and what it is you're fighting for. But I think that the important message there is that there needs to be maybe something that you're working for. You can't just be like still. There has to be something happening. You know, even if you're going Zen and on the road to enlightenment, you're still taking some action on that road to enlightenment or if you're pursuing some political dream or whatever it is, right? That's yeah. some pursuit maybe or something. Well, even if you're going Zen, I think most people who are doing that are, are trying to help others. Yeah. They, they, they still have that personal legend of contribution. Yep. yep. Of teaching, of showing people the way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, something you brought up there that I thought was interesting is that when you're young, you don't have solid beliefs yet. So when someone tells you something, you adopt their belief yeah. very quickly without question. And it's so important to, first of all, be wary of that. Oh, is so that about this. <laughs> just be very wary of that? Yeah. But, but understand that a huge part of your life early on, I feel what you said, it's about getting to know who you are mm. so that when you get to hopefully our age, you can learn to trust yourself a little bit more. Mm. And you only trust yourself more once you kind of discover who you are. When you, when you haven't yet discovered who you are, I think not going on that journey is very dangerous because then anything that anybody says about you, because of your uncertainty of who you are, you immediately question, oh my God, are they right? And, and I think one of the things for me on this journey has been to slowly become more certain of who I am. And still, there's so many bits of me I don't know who I am. I bet you will look at this video when we're 55 and go, what a bunch of dumbasses. Yeah, they like, completely didn't understand the book no, at no, all. No, no, what they're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> Read just, it? Like, yeah, my God. <laughs> But, but I, I feel that as I become more certain of who I am, it's the opinions, the thoughts, and the comments from others have less negative impact. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it's, and it's through this book has helped me even made that stronger. It's because then when people are focusing all their time on me, for example, and saying, oh, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that, this is about... I just now think to myself with the addition of this book and the knowledge from this that well, that person's not spending any time on their personal legend. Yeah. 
They're spending too much of their time on other people's personal legend, therefore eroding their ability to find progress in their own path. That's there's such yeah. a valuable thing that you just spoke of there as well. Is that that's how I think you can also pick the omens and the advice that you take on board. You know, like mm. that whole concept mm. of is this person in my corner or aligned with my personal legend? Or are they have they pursued a similar type? Yeah. You know, and have they walked that path? Or are they on a completely different journey and they're just throwing stuff at me that doesn't really align? And I think we all get that feeling a little bit, you know, sometimes where it's like, ah, yeah, it's, it's good advice. Like what you're telling me is great, but it probably just doesn't fit right now. Or, Well, well, because that person's advice is based on the omens they followed towards their destination yeah. for their personal legend. I mean, the dangerous, see, this is, this is, what this has made me realize, Ali, I think in this moment now, man, is the dangers of following advice of people not on the same path. Mm. I mean, imagine, imagine someone who's on their way to, I don't know, to Iceland and, and then you're, you're trying to get your way. You're trying to go to Utah in America and then you meet the guy to go to Iceland. You go, hey, man, what's the directions towards the most beautiful place in the world? They're going to tell you the directions to Iceland. You're trying to get to Utah, right? So I think that's, it's, it's actually very dangerous. And that's yeah. why it kind of goes back to saying, you have to go on your journey and discover who you are. And the book says the only way to learn is through action. And I think that's because action is such, action is something that is linked to you. Mm. Like the word action itself is you have to do it. Yeah. You have to take action, which means you have to learn. You have to discover. You have to explore. Oh, there's, a, there's a beautiful action quote in the book again. <laughs> no, try to find it. Try to find it. Try to find it. Don't be afraid of pausing. Remember yeah, yeah, in music. There you go. The, the, the alchemist said, so there's only one way to learn. The alchemist answered. It's through action. Yeah. yeah. Everything you need to know, you have learned through your journey. You need to learn only one more thing. You know, and it, it touches on that point of... Action, right? Uh, uh, and just that, like, like the concepts of that, and even going back to the advice part, is that we were all looking for so many answers. Like, like I remember doing this thing just, just with the business a little while ago where I spoke to four different advisors who had all achieved essentially the path that I was looking for. And I was hoping that I'd go speak to them with the one question that I had. And they'll just give me the clear answer of how to, how to tick that off. You know, it was about scaling. And as long and behold, four completely different answers to get oh, the exact man. same endpoint. Wow. You know, one's like blah, 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 international expansion. Other is like more verticals. Another one is like partnerships, you know, like strategic partnership. The other's like sell, <laughs> you know, and it's like, <laughs> and, and, and they're all, it's like four they all lead to the end point, you know, of the quest. But then you have to kind of decide, all right, which, which are those four uh, are my most important? Because well, that's what, the beautiful thing about advice. It can all be right and it can all be wrong. Well, well what you just revealed there was we all, we, some of us may have similar destinations, but never the same journey. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like Bang. what that means is, is. We, 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 we go through life with the illusion that the person who has the similar destination to us has walked a similar path. 
Yeah. But that's not true. That This is where the illusion leads you astray. What you've got to understand here is that there may have been another person who wanted to be a keynote speaker, but I think what we have to accept now is, and this to me, there's no more universal truth than this, and it's that there may be by chance, and I think even this is minimal, that someone has the same goal as you, but every single path there is uniquely different. Yep. Every single path. 100%. Every single path. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Well, I love the analogy of you being a keynote speaker and being on stage. Like if you're sharing the stage with someone, you guys are on the same stage. Yeah. I can guarantee you the way that you both got there, all the three yeah. of you got there is uniquely different. Yeah. And, and the stories in there, but, but the end result is relatively similar. Well, well, that, what that means is then don't ask too many questions for advice about the path. Yeah. Right. Because I think if you ask for the exact advice about the path, well, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to understand what this lesson means. Then, right? Because yeah. there's still there's still there's still good reason to ask for advice on the path, but it's just don't try to walk their exact path. Come don't on, think in your don't think in your mind. I'm going to talk to this successful person, find out exactly what they did in their life, and I'm going to do exactly the same thing. Yeah. It's not going to work. They have a different set of skills to you. They have a different lens on that can, that can have uh, more sensitivity to different omens along the way. It's, 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 it's different. I think it's more about, yeah, I don't know. What would you ask then? I mean, think about this, think about it this way. If, if you now, if we now kind of understand that, and again, this may be completely wrong, but it's, if destinations may be similar, but the path is always different, how would you have changed what you asked these four different people? No, wouldn't How could you? You would not? No, because, because it was all valuable. Because the real lesson was mm. the end result of asking the four people. Right. Yeah, because that, it pretty much told me it's like, well, 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 there's two sides of it, right? Because I got all the knowledge of their four different viewpoints that I could then assess and analyze and take the best bits out of each of theirs. So straight away it worked. Whereas the only difference was I was hoping the easy way would have been that I'd have asked these four people who had walked a similar path and give me the exact same answer. You know, right. what they did was they gave me four correct answers. Your desire for pattern recognition. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so it was more around and it showed me that, it showed me two really valuable lessons there and from their advice is that I, I could go, I got four frameworks that I could follow or mm. emulate, but it also showed me that on this journey, I can also do it a few different ways. There isn't yep. just one direct linear route to get to that end point. Well, you, so you talked to four valuable. people. Yeah, well, you talked to four people. They, they showed you four different paths. You learned from that and you crafted a fifth. Right? You get the fifth, right? And that's the whole thing about emulation and learning. You know, so if you look at it, you can never follow the path exactly. But, you can't even if you want to. But you have to add your own flavor to add that new thing. Otherwise, it's not creative. You're not pursuing that. Yeah. You're just copying someone's thing word for word or exactly, which... It, it, it can work like, like basketball oh. analogy. I know you're not big into sports. There's Kobe yeah. Bryant, Michael Jordan. Yeah. Kobe yeah. Bryant based his whole career on Michael Jordan, right? And he ended up getting similar results. He's always in the conversation as one of the greatest of all time. But Kobe Bryant added his own flavor as, as well. You know, like he's still got his unique standpoint of how he went about well, his craft. Well, copying implies that you learn nothing. You're not learning. You're just yeah. imitating. I think the, the, whole, the whole thing behind learning is it has to be a, an action that is 
internally driven by you that is in a way it, it, it's you exploring in a way mm. no no exploration means no new actions mean no new learnings right i mean if you're copying someone you already know the outcome they achieved so if you copy you get the same outcome there's no learning that has been accomplished yeah and and i think i think that learning component is pretty important and 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 just before we we leave that that love component yeah you know i think i love the idea that no one can hold anyone back really from achieving their personal legend mm. because if that is true it, it truly does free me from that little sense of guilt that i'm holding yeah. other people back right yeah. and i want to talk to that a bit more I, i wonder if you have any more thoughts on that yeah like because here okay sorry i asked for your thoughts and i'm talking already but it's like if you're with someone <laughs> those are relationships that don't work yeah because i've been with partners before where i wanted to pursue this career path in the world of magic they didn't really approve of it didn't really like it but that's why we broke up mm. because they had i think the reason why i feel that small sense of guilt and again it just maybe me trying to take too much credit mm. for how much influence and power i have but it's I I I I kind of think to myself that oh someone with a strong character will fight for their personal legend but someone who loves you so much does it sometimes cloud their mind and they give up their personal legend or maybe their personal legend is a part of loving you mm. you know like mm. it's again it's mm, but but in the book says love doesn't interfere with personal legend that they're two different things right yeah i think it's My, my component on love is that, and this is something my mum used to tell me. She's like, love can only be given, you know. And and there's there's a concept in that is that it's internally driven, right? Like, like so many of us are on this search of wanting to be loved, mm. and we want love to be reciprocated, and we want it to be an equal balance and accounted for. Right. And and I don't think it's one of those resources. It's not a currency that operates like that. Like I think that, like say if you're sitting there, you can feel all the love in your heart towards your partner, but if they're having like the shittest day of all time, and life's just sucking, there's a chance that they won't be able to receive that. But all you can do is give it. Mm. You know, and I, and I think it it touches on this point. You know, of the it links back again to personal legend, and again going back to it being all internally driven. Is that I think as individuals, you can only kind of control the way that you go about it, and what you put out there in the world, and how you design it. Like if you then know, like deep down in your heart, that I'm I'm deliberately oppressing this person. Yeah. You know, I'm making moves to make sure that they can't hit their personal legend. Then that's on you. You know, like if you're like it's me or you, and I'm picking me. Yeah. Then it's a different concept. But right. if it's something that kind of evolves or takes place and everyone's sort of doing their own thing that's driven internally and in alignment with who they are they're not pretending to be something that they're not yeah i think that that's kind of the key to it you know uh, with love you know and that's why when we look at the love we have for our kids yeah it's unconditional because of that because we know we can go and give all the love we want to our kids and then they can do whatever the hell they want back to us but it's not really going to change it you know like it's uh, 
it's that same thing. And then if you find that in other aspects and other relationships, it becomes to me a really pure manifestation of, of that love because then it's not based on, again, the because the guilt's the external manifestation yeah. of feeling that you're not taking the actions or being the person you need to be. Yeah. It's a good point. Maybe. I don't know. It's no, I think that's a really good point. It's it's that it's <laughs> I don't know. No, it's, it's it's me kind of projecting on others, right? Yeah. It's that I yeah, you're absolutely right. I think it's me projecting onto other people. That guilt comes from the the projection of what and how others should live. Yeah, like it's and, just a concept I've been thinking about lots, and maybe I'm more on that like not harsher side, but more binary side of it, but Mm. I just feel that, like, to be the best person, I just believe this, to be the best person for other people, you need to be the best version of yourself that you can yeah. at that time. Makes you know, the like, most sense. Like, well, it's the only way I could do it without it, like, screwing with my head. Yeah. Because I know when I've tried doing it the other way, where I've tried to adapt and change or, you know, like you, you pretend to play a different role. It's yeah. not sustainable. It doesn't seem to work. Like it's got, it seems like it's got more of a superficial impact yeah. rather than when you go back to purity or whatever you want to call it. But like if you turned around and you're like, all right, hey, wait, I'm just going to stop being a keynote speaker. I'm going to grow a neck beard for the next five years. If I wanted to grow a beard. <laughs> you can't do that even if you wanted to. That's why I went there. Yeah. <laughs> so you're going to be super sad. You're going to be even sadder than you are right now for doing oh, everything that you love. Like, mm. I, I, my gut feel would be is that Paywen would ultimately end up not respecting you for that decision. And your value that you bring to your environment will also diminish quite significantly for making that compromise. That's my thoughts on it. Well, well, there's, there's another quote from the book that's relevant, I think. And the quote is, sometimes there's just no way to hold back the river. <laughs> that's a good one. And I, I love that because I think... That's awesome. Yeah, well, that one stuck out for me, I think, because I kind of felt that guilt and I wanted to find reasons to not feel that guilt and the book gave me some of those. And is that, I, I, to me, the river, to me, represents everybody's... The, the, the strength and the, the, the gravitational pull towards their own personal legend that exists. And I think no one has the strength and the ability to stop anyone who wants to pursue their personal legend from pursuing their personal legend. Yeah. I, I don't think anyone has that ability. So, you've, you know, be careful with the guilt that we feel. And, and it's something I've been talking to Pei Wen about. And, and I think for Pei Wen, I think one of the things that mothers go through that, that you know, us kind of clunky primitive men don't really experience is, mm. is guilt as a mother. Mm. You know, yeah. mummy's guilt is what they call it, right? And it's crazy to me how much of that guilt they feel. But what I try to, you know, communicate to my wife especially is that you don't have as much control as you think. Yeah. And because you believe you're in complete control of your child's development, who they become as a person – because you're under the illusion, you have that complete control, you're causing yourself so much pain. Mm -hmm. And this passage in the book was such a powerful passage for me to tell her that in this powerful current of life, honey, we are nothing but a branch on the side. <laughs> you are not the current. You are the branches and the leaves that fall into the current and the current takes you for the ride. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 
Yes, it gave her some form of relief, but you know, for me, I found it, for me, I found a really wonderful book for her to read about that. You know, a simple conversation is not going to lift somebody's guilt that they feel for the children. Yeah. But again, it, to me, that's what I thought of: is that we do not have as much control as we think over the lives of others. Yeah. It's like the Stoics say: the only two things you can control are your thoughts and your actions, and everything else of that. It's yeah, the current, mate. Right. Yeah. But you look at you look at the mothering game. Yeah, it's compl- it's so sta- in the world today. It's so stacked. Two guys talking about the mother's game. That's <laughs> hilarious, <laughs> right? Like, but like, you look at it. Like, I remember even when we were going through it with our two young ones, and like Shannon being a new mom, is that every single blog post, every single nurse, every single parent, every single advice. It's like, oh, you're doing it wrong. Don't do it like that. The, yeah. It needs more tummy time. Needs more this. Breastfeed yeah. better. Do that. Like. If you look yep. at that as like a space, right? Because it's such a common journey of yeah. become a new parent, especially when you're a new parent and a first time parent. Mm. But there is the system, call it, isn't stacked in the favor of the new parent. It's designed to like play on very similar to probably the beauty game. You yeah. know, it's like they they make money off telling people how shit they are. Yeah, not good enough. And then playing on that doubt. And I think that that is the most common thing. Like I'm yet to meet even in our friendship group, in our family, meet, meet a mum or a, even a new dad that has felt adequate. Like, oh, yeah, we did it pretty well. <laughs> when yeah. the reality is, is like there's only one goal. It's to make sure the kid's healthy and alive. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like if you break it down into its simplest form. Like, like I remember us having this discussion with our first son, Marcel, where we were worried that he wasn't doing enough tummy time, you know, and like getting stressed out. We're like, oh, well, you can't, you can't do that. And I'm like, then I started thinking about it. I'm like, well, have you ever seen a kid that's like nine years old that's still lying flat in their belly? They just never really got, got past that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. Actually, I do know a couple, Ali. It's, uh, no. Yeah, it's <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, like we can over, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. over like, put that, <laughs> that's pressure, right? That, that's yeah. external pressure, those feelings. Like we get it. You can get it as an entrepreneur. You can get it in your workplace. You can get it as a friend. You can get it in whatever aspect. But it goes back to that point again is that like you, you can control your thoughts and your actions, but you, you yeah. spoke some truth in that one, man. Well, but, but I think it, stem, it really stems from, again, that same quote is that sometimes there's no way to hold back the river. Is that the river, like it, let's say it's the current of life. Yeah. And, and to think that you have that much control is going to cause you pain. Mm. it's going to cause you pain. And I think whether it's the pain of parenthood to think you have so much control over how your child develops, I think, mm. I think it's a trap and it's a danger. And, and for you to think you have so much control as well over how your life is going to pan out and how your partner's life is going to pan out, how your best friend's life is going to pan out, how your best anything. Yeah. Like, I think there's a danger in that is that, well, that's why you and I have been saying for, for such a long time in, in, in our friendship now that mm. Bruce Lee's quote of being water, right? Like that, that a whole idea of being fluid. Yeah. There really hey, is a concept there around control versus surrender. That, you see, but the thing, that, that's a quote I, I, I've got here that I, I have to read it before I forget to read it. But it's, it's the whole idea of in a river, like there are times when you have to be rigid and then there are times you have to be fluid. Mm. 
And I think it's about learning when to be rigid and when to be fluid. Because I think if you became completely fluid and just, I'm just going to surrender to everything, Ali. And I think if I, if I surrender to everything, I feel like I'd become a potato. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like in terms of like a couch potato, I just kind of, oh, I'm just going to surrender to it all. Yeah. So to me, again, the paradoxes we always talk about, I think it's about being fluid, but at the same time also having the ability to be rigid. And it's identifying times of when am I going to be fluid and when am I going to be rigid. This is, this is big. There's yeah. something big in this. And There's something here. What is it, Ali? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's big. But it's big like something. this. Yeah, but it's <laughs> like just the answer is I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But I've been thinking about this heaps lately around this concept of control and surrender. And I'm listening. I'm just looking at my notes. Yeah. No, you, you look at your notes. But I, th- I think you, I think you nailed it there with the river analogy. There's times where you have to be, where you have to surrender, and then there's times where you have to be rigid. Like because you think about what we do, even as entrepreneurs, as parents, as you know, whatever our space is. Yeah. Is like, like I know the same thing. If you surrender too much, you're going to lose the shape. And maybe that alignment. And if you control too much, you're going to miss out on how to probably progress as well. And and I don't know where that intersection is or how you let's, use that in a practical format. Well, let's connect it to something in reality, right? Yeah. If I just be water with food, yeah. <laughs> I'd be 120 kilos within a time span of six weeks. I know I can do it. I'm very good at this, right? But to me, <laughs> I can't be fluid with what I eat. If I'm just completely like, oh, man, whatever comes my way, whatever goes into my mouth, goes into my <laughs> mouth, man, it's not good. <laughs> I can't control it, brother. It's the river, right? So, so to me, I have to be rigid with myself. I, I mean, I, I, I am fairly fluid with what I eat. I'm not so strict on myself, right? Yeah. So that's where I'm fairly fluid. But then I'm rigid like a monster these days on make sure you get on the exercise bike, you get on the rower, you do some weights, right? And the balance of fluidity and rigidity is what helps me find this wonderful balance. Mm. I feel like the more and more we discuss these things, Ali, it's always a seesaw. Yeah, it always is. And there are going to be times where you're fluid with food and you gain weight like me two years ago, got up to 93 kilos, right? And then there are times when, you you know, because you swung the other way so hard, you swing back the other way and you drop 10 kilos. Roller coaster. Roller coaster. So, So to me, it's really about just balancing rigidity and fluidity in every area of our lives. And, and the tough thing is, though, is identifying where to be rigid and where to be fluid. Yeah. yeah. That's the tough yeah, like, like, when do you just go to the pantry and have a couple of Tim Tams? Oh, dude, yeah. And I mean, when do you not? I hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there's... Yeah, whoever figures out that and how to know when to be fluid and when to be rigid... Well, well again, the alchemist gave us the answer. There's, just try. Yeah. Take action. Do it. Mm. And, and understand that there is no perfect balance ever mm. that ever exists. The seesaw of life is consistently balancing and readjusting. There is never a state you read in, reach in life, I, I believe at this point in my life, where it's like, like this. Yeah. No. And then you go, oh, my God, I've done it. I've done it. But then you know what happens if you ever achieve it? Because I've never been able to achieve it. If you ever achieve this, I promise you within three months of that, this becomes your sheep. 
<laughs> you're like, no, the sheep's come back. If you're right. too like this, it's unsustainable. If you're too like this, it's unsustainable. If you're too there, it's too boring. <laughs> it's the sheep. No, yeah. but, I, but I think this can become sheep too. I think that can become sheep too. I think, I think sheep exists at every single degree of balance, right? Mm. And what makes life exciting is that, and what makes life, I, I guess, riveting is that you're consistently having to solve the balance issue. Mm. Is this consistent, consistent solving of it? That, that keeps you engaged with life. Otherwise, man, if you hit this and you know it's going to be that for the next 80 years of your life, it's like, oh, crap, you know, what's, what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> I think, and, and this is where we've spoken about this with this book, why it's so powerful. Yeah. Is that I love how it's counted as a fictional book for starters. <laughs> but that's, one, that's one of the, the funniest things to me. And then, yeah. and even as someone... Like I, I count myself again, really logical, yeah, analytical. But there's so much truth in this book that even though it's living in that esoteric world, yeah, it seems super real. Like yeah, for sure. Compare it to other fables and parables and religious texts and all of those things. Mm. It's like he's written this and just. Like it's mystical, but it's magical, but it's got like zero levels of bullshit in it is probably what. Well, it's so distilled. It's so distilled. Yeah. Every experience is so distilled that when you read it, every interaction you hear, the dialogue has been distilled to the the most pure form of that, that experience in life. And and, and you relate to your own life. Mm. I mean, I mean, I'll tell you one right now that, that I really related to. I mean, what the biggest lesson I got from this Ali is that I have been, a, I've been the Englishman in my yeah. life. And the Englishman is the person beyond just being obsessed with theory. That's not the part I connect with him. The part that I connect with the Englishman the most is that he has been living his entire life to achieve the goal of turning lead into gold. Mm. He lived his life only for the achievement of the, go- of the dream. He didn't live his dream. He only tried to acquire the dream, not live the dream. And to me, that is such a huge difference in, in, in life is that this whole time I've only been relentlessly pursuing this dream, but I've missed the point because I feel like the point of the alchemist, such a huge point of this book is the journey. Yeah. It's you live your dream. You live on the way to achieving your dream. Whereas I, I did not have that lens on my journey so far, man. Mm. And that's why I feel so tired. And that's why last year I felt so depleted, you know, and then you had to fly from Melbourne to America to spend weeks with me to help me get out of that rut, right? You know, I'll never forget that, Ali. That was so special to you, brother. Mm. But like, I think the reason I got into that rut when I achieved my dream, I was at the peak of my career, but I felt so shit because I forgot to live my dream mm. and only became obsessed in acquiring it. Mm. Like I, that, that to me was like, oh man, such a, such, a, such a powerful thing that I realized because Santiago, he lives his dream, the discovery, the journey, the lessons, love and everything. Whereas the Englishman was just didn't see anything in life that was passing him by, 
only got to, got to turn lead into gold, got to turn lead into gold, got to turn lead into gold. And for me, it was wealth creation, wealth creation, wealth creation. Your family knew nothing but poverty. Yeah. And I looked up and I went, oh, shit, my life is, my life's kind of fucked up, mm. you know? Man. So that's, yeah, yeah man, that, that, that for me was, well, that hit me right in the heart. And just from knowing you over the last sort of, yeah, five years or so, yeah. it, it's, it's interesting that that's how you, you view your journey because um, yeah. I would also view it as you're probably one of the closest people that I know that's actually living this book in terms of pursuing their personal legend as well. So it's that interesting, again, that, that, that paradox of how it, how, how it would have felt internally yeah. but then how I've kind of watched as you've gone through that journey. And I think, like, you know, it might have felt internally that it's so driven by the wealth and like your family upbringing and all of those things. But on the flip side, I also think that you've exhibited so many of the the bits and pieces within this book in terms of how you went about it. Right. Like, like you remind me of that, that old man that's like, I'll show you the secrets, you know, and, and let's go, let's go down that path. And I think it's, you, you've gone through like the, the different hurdles, but it just seems like at what point are you, in that quest, right? Yeah. Like, like you, <clears throat> yours was that realization that I think you knew that you're on the right path, but just needed to probably reshape the way you're walking down it. You, you know what it was? It was the being too rigid. Yeah. Without fluidity. Mm. I was so rigid on achieving this goal that I forgot that life life's not a straight line. (laughs) Yeah. Life is crazy, man. Life is beyond crazy in terms of, it's not even a sine wave. It's, 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 it's even more insane than that. Yeah. So, so to me, you know, trying to see how these lessons all connect, I really feel like, you know, don't, don't be so upset. It's like, like Pei Wen said to me something really beautiful. She said to me, you've worked so hard to build such a beautiful garden, yet you rarely sit here and enjoy the garden you've built. Yeah, that's great. And, and also telling me that the garden that you've built for us, you have us sit in here without you. And the garden will never replace you. You know, and it's like, yeah. and then, dude, because of coronavirus, I've, I've been forced to sit in the garden that I've created for the last seven, eight weeks, and, and I love it. Yeah. And it's the difference between blindlessly trying to achieve a dream and enjoying the ride on the way to achieving your dream. I finally can say, I I understand as much as I can at the age of 34 right now that everyone through my life, the, 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 the phrase, damn it, Vince, slow down and smell the roses have, has never made sense to me until this year. But all along the way, I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I will. Don't worry. Look, I'm smelling the roses. I'm smelling. Look, I'm smelling. But it was, it was, it was bullshit. It wasn't real. Yeah. It wasn't real until I was forced, until, until the world forced me to stay home and smell the roses. You know, for the first few days, I think I was still faking smelling the roses. You know, like, oh, this is lovely balance. I yeah. love this. But inside, Every I was time. like, no. Awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> love this yeah. garden. <laughs> and, then, and, then I, and then, you know, you mourned it because you're like, oh, God, smelling the roses is awful. But then, then at the end, after a while, you go, wow, this is what I've been missing. This is insane. Yeah. 
haven't been living for such a long time, man. It's it's a whole it's a whole concept of are you living to work or are you working to live, right? It's that balance. But but it's also the you know you talk about the journey like that's just the next chapter in the journey, really, isn't it? Yeah, and, yeah. And this is the this is the cool thing that I've seen even over the past eight weeks is that you're still pursuing your legend and maybe even on a higher level. Right, but you've been able to incorporate all these other bits and pieces, which again ties back to the book. Yeah. You know, like, like you didn't just throw it all away and then go yeah. down the path of regret. You kind of said, how do I make, how do I still take the best parts of all of this, stay in alignment with the legend, but then also make sure that other parts of my legend are also fulfilled, right? Because I think your legend also started shifting, right, more towards being a dad, yeah. you know the 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 family component and and it was also recognizing those things because that's the other part about the journey it's really hard to judge it in hindsight yeah. because it all had to happen to get you to to the yeah. point that you're now reflecting from you can only reflect on a journey like with this level of clarity when mm. when you're at the <laughs> the next yeah. point that the journey gave you you know like like say say santiago's story ends with with the crystal maker and he goes back and buys his sheep. Like, that's well, still I, cool. I think, I think you, you've got to give context there as well, right? Because when he lost all of his money to the thief before he went on his journey, he was working at the crystal merchant, not to go on the journey to the desert, like I said before, but he originally said, ah, stuff it, I'll just get this job, make enough money, go buy my sheep back again and then just become a shepherd again and just go back to the way things were. Yeah. Mm. No, I just I was filling in the blanks there just in case one day yep. kids do listen to this and they're like, wait, what are they talking about? Yeah. Again, because I, I presume that moving into the future, they're just I just feel like with the young kids I see now, they're, they're just not reading anymore. <laughs> so like, trying to what are these two morons talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah. You're, you're, you're always stressed the point. I'm, I'm trying to give the context. For the last two hours. <laughs> Oh yeah. gosh. No, but I'm just trying to give more context. But anyway, so you were saying about the merchant. Yeah, but like that that's a really interesting concept as well, in terms of if you go by being like water and fluidity as a concept, like the story's still cool if he if he goes to the crystal merchant, gets the money, travels all that way, and then goes back and buys his sheep. Hmm. You know, because you wouldn't know what else is left on beyond the other side yeah. so it's still a cool story unknown unknowns yeah there's a bit there's a bit in there that also really sticks out to me in terms of that concept of how much we're striving you know like like in this there, there's the glorified aspect of obviously in going on the quest for the treasure and we all relate yeah. to that because internally we all have this this drive you know we love it in every single movie the person going against the odds but, but one level still, one level one level yeah right it's still levels right it's still a pretty cool story getting robbed in Africa, after traveling, when you were meant to be a priest, you go yeah. and somehow transform this crystal merchant's shop into something amazing, and then you go back and buy your sheep. Still works pretty well. Well, uh, and I think also no one knows your story. Mm. And then the fact that even if you did go back and buy those sheep, that's not the end of that story. That story continues. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think... I think I think the inspirational part about that is that no matter where your story is right now, it's not the end of the story. No, 
you can you can start a new chapter next week now yeah yeah you can start it now and i and i think and then this is what i say often i've made a few videos about this is in that i think people hope they i hope people realize that you know the author wrote this story uh, and, and 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 he held the pen and 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 you are the author of your story and you hold the pen but i think there are times in life ali where we give our pens to maybe our partners mm. out of love thinking that if I love this person, I'll give them my pen so they can write my story. No, that's not love. I think what we've learned from this book is that love is the other person writing their story and supporting you in writing your story as you support them in writing their story. You know, and I, I think don't forget that you are the author of your own story and that you're the one holding the pen. And if you've given your pen away, just grab it back and, and write your own story. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what's interesting with this? I'm not sure if you know the backstory, but when you wrote the book, no one like read it for 20 years. He had he a really rough upbringing too, right? He like, he could not, he could not find anyone to read yeah. it. So, so it's interesting, yeah. like this story nearly represents his whole life as well, because I think now it's sold 150 million copies or something, wow. but it sat there dormant for ages, you yeah. know, like really similar to the lessons that he was writing about. Yeah. And then I don't know exactly how it sort of caught fire, but then obviously the, the rest is history and it became such an iconic book. But and that's a really interesting concept as well. The book talks about the language of the world. Yeah. And this was, this is the one that's always, I remember the first time I read it, that sort of blew my mind because this is like the first type of book like this that I yeah. read all these years ago and, I remember just being like, holy crap. Yeah, I know what I've seen an omen before. And, but the language of the world and that, that whole concept, what are your thoughts on that? Above my pay grade. <laughs> I, I read that with uh, like, what the hell? What does that even mean? <laughs> like I, just, <laughs> like I, I truly felt like, wow, I'm so stupid. Why don't I understand this? And I, like, I remember reading it back and forth and because I, I think I'm someone who has... We're both equally stupid. Well, well, I, yeah, <laughs> but, I, but I think I'm someone who, you know, again, willing to be vulnerable and also transparent is that I haven't dived down the spiritual path much in my life. Mm. Now, even though my parents have and, and my, some of my friends have, I've never really spent time. I've lived in the very kind of, pragmatic world of entrepreneurship and you know one plus one equals two i I never really dived into the world of spirituality which i think this is why when i read this the language of the world my absolutely bare minimum thought of it is that that there's essentially a there's a force beyond what we understand as human beings Mm. And that as human beings, this force, again, I related it to the current of life, is that the moment we're born, we're thrown into this current and we basically have to learn to swim along the way. And along swimming in this current, we have to learn the language of the current. We have to learn the way this current works and learn how to maneuver through it. And whether the current is being controlled by a higher being or whatnot, the language of the world to me represented the skills we need in order to navigate through the current of life. That's how I kind of viewed it is that that's like, that's the only definition I had in my own mind. 
What do you yeah. think? Yeah, man. I I hundred percent agree. It's like completely above <laughs> my because I yeah. think this is like this is now getting into the realm of what is the meaning of life. Yeah. No one else has figured it out yet. So I don't know whether yeah, we'll no be honest. That's all right. That's all right. No yeah. one has yeah, we'll we'll given our best shot. Give yeah, it a crack, man. You never know. You might you might solve something that people have been trying to solve in the next ten seconds. <laughs> well, I think it's I think it's everyone's interpretation, right? Like I think you nailed it there in terms of the current. To me, that analogy really fits. And and the the, the, the higher force and the higher power kind mm. of thing is, is something that I reckon is really interesting as well. You know, going. Like, say, for example, like, where, where does the thought come from? Where does a yeah. dream come from? Like, you can't consciously sit there and be like, all right, I'm thinking this thing and I, I premeditated. It comes from some place. Call it the ether. Or yeah, whatever some it people is. call it the ether. They're, well, right. I mean, the, the ether concept, this is, like, getting really <laughs> interesting now because people say, again, it's like the thoughts – ideas exist in this ether like and then the 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 description that i was kind of fed in a book was it's like radio waves yeah it's just these thoughts are flying around in the air and if you are tapped into the right channel you'll receive it yeah right so i mean that i I think that's a really fascinating concept like what what are we doing right now yeah like where is that where are these ideas coming from like are they conscious are they subconscious like like, and what, what factors took place for us to then be sitting here doing this right now? Because it's not premeditate, right? You can't plan that out. It's not like five years ago, I mapped out this plan where yeah. on whatever the date is today, May 31st, yeah, no way. No way. and I would be talking about the alchemists. Mm. You know, like whatever that is. Like that concept of the language of the the world or the soul of the world, however it refers it to, that blows my mind on so many different levels because it taps into like destiny or faith or action and fear and failure and journey and it nearly like kind of wraps it up. Then it's like, all right, well, all these things are real. You can control parts. You have to play a role and some things will happen to you. But at the end of the day, like like the, the whole concept of where are we standing on a a planet that's like revolving at a crazy velocity in a solar system that's revolving at a crazy velocity in a universe that's part of a multiverse, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, and then you get yeah. that concept. Well, and then it's like, but can you see in, in describing this, the reason in my mind I feel immediate overwhelm <laughs> is because is because again this is why i think mind mapping is really important yeah when we go so granular and you're talking about being in the world revolving around the sun in the universe in this lattice in this freaking and you just keep going in this galaxy right i think if you mind map and this is one of the skills now we really want to learn right now mm. is by mind mapping it we can see the hierarchy of it and yeah. when we have these discussions the more granular you go, the more overwhelming you feel. It's like if a CEO, if I went to you as a CEO of your company and I said, currently right now, Ali, I'm doing a marketing campaign and I gave you all the granular information, yeah. you can't make great decisions. You, you, can't, you can't give me insight. 
So I think what will make these discussions powerful, and it's why I'm trying to trying to err you in that direction too, is that I think if we if we create mind maps for this, mm. we can have way more constructive conversations mm. because we're able to see the entire thing. Yeah. Whereas when you don't see the entire thing, because you know, while I'm doing this work as well, I can't help but critique it myself. <laughs> in that, in that, I feel the effectiveness of these conversations for us, for our own personal benefit, will come from having a hierarchy for it. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. yeah. So, so we can, so we can zoom in in essence, zoom back out, yeah, and then talk about it again. Whereas the what what I'm experiencing with this experience, Ali, is that we zoom in. And we just can't zoom out now. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And then there'll be times when we zoom out, but I think the consciousness, the ability to better zoom in, zoom out, I think is really important in, in us growing with this experience as well. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Any other lessons you have? Would maybe do one more each or maybe one more quote each. I can't believe. Hey, has this kind of flown for you? This has flown for me. Yeah, man. hundred percent. It's been amazing. Okay. <laughs> so, so one, so, so, so one of the things that, you know, I've been trying to think about more is, and the reason I, man, I really wanted to do this brother with you is I want to find things to do where time melts. Yeah. I don't even know how long we've been going for. It's uh, just, just two hours now. Crazy. doesn't feel like it. It feels like nah. it's been 20 minutes, 30 minutes away. See, but, yeah. but I'm, I'm pursuing time melting activities. Yeah. And, yeah, this is time melting. I, and I want this to stay time melting that's why, like I said to you before, I want to be really conscious. I'm not trying to, you know, monetize this from every single nah. angle. So, so to me, this is powerful. Just wanted to share my thoughts. Like, I think this is really cool. It's time melting. Like, yeah. Well, to me, the thing that's just stood out is it's added so much more learning. Like, I will never now forget any aspect of this book. Because we Even cemented I've read it. Five, ten times. Yeah. It's now completely locked away. Because all of our stories that we've also added to it, and the it's way that into it. you've analysed it and added your sort yeah. of thoughts on it. But literally when I read this the next time, there will be four or five extra dimensions of meaning to, yeah. to the book. It's now like embedded. It's probably the first book I could, or second book that I could say that I've truly studied. And, and you know, I, I can't keep going back to this. And I think it's just, I have this uh, irrational fear of dying. But imagine one day our kids read The Alchemist. Yeah. How cool will it be for them to listen to their parents talk about a book they've just read and they, they're sitting there. They'll be like, I thought the same thing or wow. I never, wow. My dad's a dumbass because the, the answer to life is just this, yeah. you know, it's like, again, I just think that I can't help, but think how exciting it is for them. Uh, they'll probably and think it's, it's so boring. to see both of our different perspectives on how we interpret it. That's the yeah, coolest yeah. part about this. That is really cool. And then to think that how many other different interpretations there are in the world. Yeah. And like when people watch this, I guarantee yeah. you they'll be adding their own comments. Yeah. To and, 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 you, and you know what, what my biggest hope is? And, and, and again, it's, <laughs> I promise this is not me trying to monetize it. Yeah. But it's like, wouldn't it be amazing to be doing something like this that promotes learning? Yeah, for sure. Learning in young people, learning in older people. Wouldn't it be amazing to, to be the spark that gets people to then go, you know what? Stuff it. I'm going to go buy the book. Oh. And then they buy the book, they read it. They have all these crazy realizations of their own. And as a result, the ripple effects happens in their life, in their family, in their community, in their state, in their country, in the world, right? 
That's why this, there's a huge factor of that that makes it super exciting for me is that can we gradually become good enough to be a spark that ignites the world, right? That would be the coolest thing ever. Yeah. yeah. Man, I think there's, I'm hoping there's stuff in here that inspires, like especially, like I'm thinking about our kids. I hope it does inspire our kids to yeah, read the man. book. Like well, that would be the to goal. Me, to me, if that's, if that's yeah. all that we do, we've yeah. won. <laughs> like how cool would this be in like 15 years time to send Dude, this, this is liquid gold i think you and i have to create a joint dropbox or something and then yeah. host it and continue to pay for it for the rest of our lives so I mean, we never lose stuff. yeah it gets it gets yeah. that like for them to get their cash they have to watch all of our videos yeah <laughs> and there's a quiz there's a quiz there's like this brilliant <laughs> quiz that if you don't answer these correctly no money for you that's right. You get a percentage based on how you answer. Oh, this is brilliant. Dude, we have just cracked how to transfer wealth to the next generation. Yeah. We've just There's cracked us enforcing it. our personal legend onto our children. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so welcome to challenge 433. Only 4,000 more to go. Okay, so, so is there, a, is there a, another line that you have that really stood out for you? Um, I've got one here. Did you say this one before? What uh, is when it? a person really desires something, all the universe conspires to help that person realize the no. dream. No, I haven't. So say that again. <laughs> yeah. So, so this one is um, a quote that really stands out for me, you know, and it says, when a person really desires something, all the universe conspires to help that person to realize his dream. Mm. And that one stands out a lot because I think it represents people that are in the pursuit of something, you know, there's a good chance that the world is in their favor and wants them to get to that point. But I think a lot of the time we're the people that hold ourselves back. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that message really, really stands out because as the book shows, he, he goes on his journey. He has the challenges. He could have given up. But the omens and the signposts at every single point were kind of still pointing him in that direction. And yeah. it's just something I really relate to in terms of, like, vision and the internal compass, the GPS, whatever you want to call it. I feel that really strongly. And that quote sticks out that, you know, when I found something to pursue and unlock that next layer, it, it changed a lot for, for me in my life. And I think that that line relates to that. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on it? it? It feels like when you... Can you read that quote to me again? Yeah, uh, it is... When a person really desires something, all the universe conspires to help that person to realize his dream. Yeah, I do remember this. And, and see, my immediate reaction to it is when you follow what it is that you want to do, again, relating to the internal actions, it has a gravitational external impact. 
Mm. Right? Is that when you, you know, we always try to impact the external world with external actions. And I think what that quote reveals to us and this book reveals to us time and time and time and time again is that the only way to impact the external world is through internal correction or internal improvement Mm. or internal, like following your internal desires. So it's like, I think we have it the wrong way around in that we always think, oh, you know, I want my business to be better. Damn it. Why can't my employees be better? Why can't they be better? Why can't they be better? I think we always think the most impactful way to have influence is external actions. But that quote reveals that the, the world, the world will fall at your feet if you pursue what you love, meaning it's almost like you will have the ultimate influence over the world or the world will come to help you the moment you realize it starts with you. Yeah. You stop yeah. waiting for, and I think it relates again to stop waiting for people to come save you or come help you or come be your hero. Mm. And it's that you're your own hero and the world will amplify that, that epicness of you. Got this question for you, right? Yeah. When you were going on your journey of becoming a speaker. Yeah. Do you have any moments that kind of felt like that where it's yeah. like you, you've done all the work, you've planned, you've prepped, but yeah. just that unexplainable thing kind of happens where it's just like, all right, there's, there's that thing that I needed that just happened that took me to the next level. How I met my manager. Yeah. So what I did was I, I always have the philosophy of I, I, Steve Martin is one of his quote is one of my North stars, not him as the person, but just one of his quotes. And it's, the whole concept of be so good, they can't ignore you. So while I was in Adelaide building my keynote speaking career, I just worked on getting better and better and better and better. Forget everything else. Just try to get better and better and better and better and better. And then I felt like I was good enough. And then I sent out 20 plus emails to bureaus all around the US. No one replied. Uh, if, if any replied, it was a generic email of, hey, we're not looking for speakers right now, but when we are, we'll let you know. And this one person named Karen Harris replied and she was like hey i watched your tedx video you spoke a little bit fast (laughs) but you've got something you've got something and i want to see you in action live so again she didn't answer all my problems because i'm like how the hell am i going to get an opportunity to speak in the u.s when i've never spoken there but she was an omen she showed me a direction and i went okay everything i have to do i don't care what i have to do i have to get an event in Los Angeles or somewhere in America to speak so she can fly to see it because she won't fly to Australia. Gradually got an event. I emailed again so many events to speak for free. One event accepted me. She flew there, watched me speak. My keynote career in America there begun. So I could not explain that. Hmm. You know, but again, it, it wasn't the world just coming to me. It was me being the best I could. It was me improving me as much as I could. And then the world responded. Mm-hmm. You know, because if I never sent that email, Karen would have never seen it. No. You had to still send the email. I had and to still send the email. Why was the only person that replied, right? Like, that's the bit. It's like saying yeah. that mixture of the, like, Yeah. Yeah, the yeah. universe is the, cool. the one person that the universe sent, right? Yeah. But it's... Yeah. But, but again, I hope that... And I really hope our kids get this. And it's that... It's the whole idea of... To impact this world, you must focus within. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You've got to do stuff. Yeah. Stuff you, yeah. You know, it's, it's, 
it's it's weird. It's, it's almost like I cannot find a way to communicate the clarity of which I, the depth of my understanding in this in this moment. It, it's so hard to 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 just. Ugh, I, I want to get it out, but I can't. It's so. Oh, it's so frustrating. <laughs> this is interesting. In every story that I've read, every biography, yeah, you hear of that master that's taken so many actions, kind of like yeah. what you did. And, and you really, I love the bit how you like, all I could control was just me becoming the best I could at my craft. That's it. So that when you had that opportunity, and I think, yeah, Kevin Hart was speaking about this the other day. He's like, he'd done all the work to be a comedian, to get up to that level. But then it was this one event that he speaks about, like I think Shaq's all-star event, but he wasn't even that keen. I remember that. Like, you know, yeah. And but he thought it was going to do nothing for him. Yeah. yeah. And it just went there. Like Michael Jordan had, he has this shot in 1984 when he's playing college basketball to win the championship game, makes the shot. But it's because he'd taken 100,000 millions of shots you know, prior to that yeah. moment. But he hits that shot and then he's like, I believe now that I can do this. You know, like that, that, that to me is that that concept is so magical. And I think it's one of the coolest aspects of life when you hear those stories of people yeah. that are like, well, I did everything I could, put myself out there, gave it a crack, but yeah. then I still needed that little bit of luck. That, that yeah. little bit that I couldn't really plan for or explain. And that's where it rocket shipped off to the next level. And it's really, really cool concept. And maybe a lot of us, we don't do enough of the work, but we want to rocket ship. Yeah. Might be well, something in that. well, I think also because in the world we live in today, we've also, we no longer really value mastery. Mm. I think we live in a world now where good enough is good enough where we forget mastery has its own league. Mm. And I think if anything, it's, it's just reminding people that mastery will never lose its value. It won't. I think, I think, I think it's, it's the ultimate form of value is when you master something. It's, it's, it's very powerful. Yeah. But I, but I think what you just said connects with this last one that I want to say, right? And it's, it's a bit long. It's, it's like two, three sentences, but it's, before a dream is realized, the soul of the world tests everything that was learned along the way. It does this not because it is evil, but so that we can, in addition to realizing our own dreams, master the lessons we've learned as we've moved towards that dream. That's the point at which most people give up. It's the point at which, as we say in the desert, one dies of thirst just when he just when he sees the palm trees that have appeared on the horizon, right? So there's so many elements to that quote. I mean, the first one, it says, before a dream is realized, the soul of the world tests everything that we've learned along the way. Like it tests us, right? And it's funny, before you and I got onto the Zoom call, to do the Zoom call we've been looking forward to for the last week and a half, your, your Zoom didn't work. And for 15 minutes, we were like, what the hell? Zoom works all the time and it just didn't work for us, right? Didn't want, didn't want this to happen. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and tell me, right, while that happened, how much did that dampen how you felt? <laughs> like the frustration, like the, oh, man, what? Yeah. It's unbelievable, right? Well, imagine if we didn't know each other. Yeah. And we had an hour time slot. Would have rescheduled. 25 minutes trying to get Zoom to work. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I probably would have read that as, ah, you should have checked this before. You didn't respect me. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I still felt that with you anyway, Ali, but anyway. 
<laughs> I was like, this bastard. Oh, my God. Um, but but I, I think what that tells us is that if, if that is the way of life, is that, like, let's just say the, word, the soul of the world is a thing, whatever it may be, we're not able to define it right now. But it's before a dream is realized, it's going to test you. Mm-hmm. So when, if, if you just take that as being, okay, that is what happens in life then it changes the way you view these obstacles. Yeah. Is that these obstacles, they're there because this is what happens. It's not, oh, why is it happening to me? Why is, oh my God, why is this, why? We go, no, this is, this is here for me. This is here so that I learn, so that I grow, so that this is what makes the journey beautiful. Because imagine it was like, I, I want to get paid 30 grand as a keynote speaker. Oh, I've done it. Oh, oh, that's amazing. Oh, well, I want, I want to be now a really amazing podcaster. Like Joe. Oh, what the? Ali, we've done it. It took four seconds. Wow, this is amazing. Woohoo. I want, I want to be a really, oh, I'm already a good dad. I'm already an amazing dad. Oh, shit. I think, I think there's a huge danger in that. Yeah. Because when that happens, Ali, you won't want to live. I actually believe that. Yeah. I think if I could snap my fingers and any, it's why people who win the lottery fall into deep depression is because I want a Ferrari. I'll just buy it. I want a mansion. I'll just buy it. Oh, whatever I want, I can just buy. Then the excitement of life has diminished. Mm. I don't know. I think, I think, I think obstacles are as bitter as sometimes they feel. It's what makes life wonderful. I love the bit that that you touched on there that before you you taste that fruit, it's inevitable that you're gonna have to face that challenge. Yeah. I think that's that's such a valuable concept that yeah, I didn't even think about it like that, that you've just tapped into there. Is that we overdramatize the challenge. Yeah. And then we end up bailing when it's obviously inevitable. Like if you look at that as a such a fundamental lesson out of this book. It's yeah. like, we should have just known that the Zoom wasn't going to work. <laughs> <laughs> we were trying something new. There's and no then, way. You, we were just you know going to happen? You know what's going to happen? No, we, what's going to happen now is we didn't press record. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, like, yeah, for the first time ever, both computers will shut down and delete the recording. So we'll yeah, have to go. Yeah, yeah. That. But that's cool because we'll just know that that's part of it. If we really believe that we have to do this thing. Then yeah. It's just inevitable that, that that has to happen. And I think well, that is yeah. so cool, especially well, for young well, kids. It's, it's the deep understanding that it's normal that challenges come your way. Mm. It's normal that things will be hard. Yeah. It's normal that you're going to face failure. It, this is normal. And, 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 and I think that first part of the sentence normalizes struggle. And I think the normalization of struggle and failure is so important in the world that we live in today because, because of social media, we see overnight successes because people, you know, it's the highlight reel of their life. So to me, the importance of the normalization of failure, suffering and challenging obstacles that come along in life is incredibly important. So, so that sentence did that for me, that first sentence, right? Which leads us to the second sentence where it says, that's the point at which most people give up. Mm. So people give up because they don't realize that 
these challenges and the suffering is normal. And when, when you don't realize it's normal, you give up. And you give up just before you reach your destination. And I think the, 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 there's a famous entrepreneurial cartoon that I had in the, on my office back in Australia. And it's of two people digging for diamonds. And on the top column is one person digging for their diamond. And they're digging like crazy and the diamond's so far away. And on the bottom is the person who's just one centimeter of dirt left to dig before they, they get their diamond. But you see them walking the other way, having given up. And to me, that represents a journey that I have experienced. We start things with such passion, but we don't continue the passion and enthusiasm because our expectation of this journey is that it is straight, it is linear, and we go straight from wanting it to having it. Whereas when we now can fully understand, and this book puts it so beautifully, and you understand that, no, no, this is normal. This is a part of the way. This is the way, you know, then then there'll be less people who die of thirst just before they reach the oasis. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's pretty... I love that analogy of the, the guy digging. I think there's, there's a story like similar to that in the book yeah. as well, where he talks yeah. about some miner. Uh, I can't remember it exactly. And, yeah, that one person might be so far away because they're at the start of their journey. And then you're just knocking your one hammer away from unlocking it like even with the speaking career right like think about when you're at a showcase or you're going down that path it's a different ball game for you versus that person who's there for their first showcase yeah yeah you know like you're you you've already cracked it they're still digging at the start and it's like all right and, and i think that'll be interesting it's like when you're watching people come up through the ranks i think it's a really cool thing about growth and development is when you see that and you're like, oh, I wonder whether that person will go and go all the way. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. Yeah. And we see entrepreneurship space all the time, right? Like look at Facebook, how many Facebook pages are set up with a yeah. domain name and nothing. Yeah. And there's that, that little percentage that sort of go out and then they pursue I, it. I just saw that while looking up podcast names that I wanted to create and buying domains. And I realized there's so many domains that have one podcast. There are so many, and which was four years ago, five years ago. And, and to me, the reason why there's these web pages with this one podcast or three they've given up is because they don't realize that, well, to them, the obstacles are no, no longer bring them any joy. Mm. And they're like, this is an insane thing to say that obstacles bring us joy. But I think the more we read, the more we learn, the more we build our minds and our brains, the more we start to change the way we view obstacles and lessons that come to us in life. And I think the sooner you change that, the sooner you can remain enthusiastic throughout the journey. Otherwise, everyone starts the same. Everyone starts enthusiastic. Yeah. But those that maintain enthusiastic, they maintain that enthusiasm. They're the ones that have made that mental switch in the head that, oh, challenges are the way. Obstacles yeah. are the way. They, they, they get that. They go, oh, okay, it makes sense. And then you actually enjoy the journey yeah. as opposed to, because here's the reality, Ali, I've met many speakers who've made it as speakers, but are completely miserable yeah. because they've suffered the entire journey, right? And part of that is my journey mm. is that you've suffered all the way through it because every challenge was like, oh, damn it. Like you, you get so upset, so angry that 
that you take all the joy out of it. And once you, you find the diamonds, you're not enjoying them. Yeah. The diamonds isn't the thing. It's the digging you've got to start to really fall in love with, right? Yeah, well, that's, that's such a powerful point. I think, because I think on that one, yeah. Look, I can't remember where I was reading it or where I heard it, but they're like, to, to find out what you're truly passionate about is, is that. It's like, what's the thing that you're willing to keep doing even when it's shit? Yeah. And, and that you do cop those challenges. Because that might, you know, for people out there that are maybe thinking, well, how do I go find my personal legend on yeah. my journey? And I think the answer probably lies is that the thing that you're pursuing where without even knowing it, you're just willing to keep rocking up and to cop the challenges and the failures, but you yeah, still go yeah. there every single day and you've done that for a longer period of time than you have done other things. It's probably likely that that's also the thing that you're amazing at or that your unique um, strength is or whatever it is. It might, might be aligned to the personal legend as well. But before they can even take the cops and take the hits, they have to reframe and understand that the challenges is a part of the journey, that they have to normalize mm-hmm. failure and normalize setbacks and normalize all of these negative things that you endure along the way. I think the sooner you reframe that, the longer on the journey you can last. Yeah, for sure. Right, without, without getting bitter and hating it, you know, I think, yeah, I think that's a really important thing. And, and to sum, I think to sum this up ra- nicely, man, it's part of the reason why I want to do this, and I'd love to hear what your thoughts are too, but the part of the reason why I want to do this is I really do want to see less people dying of thirst as they see the palm trees on the horizon. Mm. I think knowledge is what helps us open up our minds so that we can begin to change behaviors, Mm. right? Knowledge is that first step. And then people know, and then something that I always say is that knowledge will only bring you satisfaction in that you, you, you learn something. You'll be like, wow, that's so satisfying. Oh, I know it now, but it's the application of knowledge that brings fulfillment. And what I'm hoping is that this knowledge will satisfy you, but also inspire you to now go and grab the book. Yeah. Actually read it yeah. and follow Santiago on his journey through achieving his personal legend and find where it connects with you and your life so that you can reflect and learn from the wisdom of this author and apply it to your life so that you can hasten yourself on your journey to your personal legend, right? Love it. I think that, yeah. yeah, I think you've summed it up beautifully there, dude. Like for me, uh, it's that. And I think it's, like the thing that I'm really excited about this is hopefully not only does it also inspire people to pick up the book and to get the knowledge and to understand some of the lessons that we may have found through it, but, but I think the big one here is as well is that can they turn that knowledge into action of some mm-hmm. sort? You know, like if, if I'm picturing our kids reading this, Mm. Um, the ideal end result would be is that how not only do they go and read the book, but then at the end of it, they have one dot point, which is like literally one action that I'm going to take from doing this. Yeah. You know, and I think that would be cool. Like from when we do these things, if that's how we sort of wrap it up with that inspiration that, all right, this is the thing that we've tried to distill. Yeah. But is there one thing that it's driven you now after listening to it that says, all right, yeah. I'm actually going to now actually do something with it. And it might even just be as simple as getting the book is step one. But yeah. for others, it might be, all right, I'm going to change that life. I'm going to change that relationship. I'm going to 
start that project, whatever it is, that would be pretty cool. Great way to sum up the first uh, episode ever that we've done. Hi, hello, it's Vin. Thank you so much for listening to the Vin and Ali show. We've created something that we're really excited about and we want to share it with you. It's called Recalibrate. It's a 12-step process that helps you create more clarity and more alignment in your life. It's the exact approach that both Ali and I have been using to live happier lives and to achieve all of our wildest dreams in the last seven years. It's been crazy. Being one of our loyal listeners, we wanted to share a special something with you. Visit recalibrate.online forward slash Vin and Ali to access the course for 70% off. I hope you will check it out.